Welcome to the Kingdom at Hand from Hosanna Free Lutheran Church in St. James, Minnesota. Thank you for joining our audio podcast. If you'd like to see this video, you can check out our YouTube site, Hosanna Free Lutheran Church. Our sermon today is going to be taken from Luke 1. And now that we're done with the book of Judges, and we're done with the Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16 that I had worked on uh, for three weeks, now we're going to be starting a sermon series through the book of Luke, and we're going to be diving deep into the book of Luke, trying to see uh, what God has for us there. And so with that, I'm opening today with Luke 4, verses 1 through 4, and I read in Jesus' name. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Let us pray. Father, as we come now and worship you, worship you by meditating on your word, what you have given to us. Lord, I pray that you would guide us, guide this worship, be glorified in us, Lord, and change us, make us more like Jesus. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Luke, often called the beloved physician, is writing this, the book of Luke, for the sake of this person named Theophilus, which means God lover. And so some people speculate that this is an actual person, a single actual person. Other people speculate that it could simply be for everybody who loves the Lord, who everybody who loves God, Theophilus, all of these who are Theophilus. We don't know for sure. I have no idea. <laughs> I could go either way. It doesn't really matter because this is what God has given to us. And so as a Theophilus myself, as a lover of God, I take the book of Luke as being a letter written to me. And if you are a person who loves God, you should take the book of Luke as being a letter written to you so that these things are for us. They're not just general platitudes. They're not just cliches, but rather they're for us, given to us by God. We are a secondary audience, granted, but nevertheless, God intends them to us. And so now as we come and look at the book of Luke, as we start this, probably going to be a pretty long series through the book of Luke, we remember that this is to us. If I am a God lover, this is for me. And if you are a God lover, this is for you. So Luke starts out here, tells us in verse 1, 1, 1, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us. Now, this is fascinating. I don't know if you've ever caught this before. I honestly, personally, have never thought through this verse. The fact that there are many people who have been compiling narratives. There's many of these narratives. There's many people doing it. There's many people compiling it. And that's fascinating because when you think about the Gospels, you think about the four. You think about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those are the four Gospels. You know, and then you've got some of these other Gnostic Gospels like the Gospel of Judas, which was written, written way after he died. Um, you've got the Gospel of Barnabas, which again was 
written way after the time of Christ. You can tell because of the linguistics within it uh, and words used and whatnot. But here we have the Gospel of Luke. And Luke is telling us at the beginning of this that when he's writing this, there's a bunch of people trying to write these things out. A bunch of people feel, you know, they feel the drive to write this stuff out. And that's so beneficial for us to know because that means that the four that we have are exclusive. That means that all the other ones throughout the ages of the church, throughout the time of these eyewitnesses, because we don't have any church records of those other ones, that all of those other ones were excluded for one reason or another, but these four were kept And so as we think about that, as we think about the fact that a whole bunch of these, that many of them were written, but only four were kept. Only four were treasured by the church as being authoritative. Only four were treasured by the church as being legitimate. Only those four, only Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were treasured by the early church. By the early church as being, these are the ones, these ones properly represent Christianity. These these properly represent the actual accounts. These properly represent, they don't have a bunch of other stuff in them. They don't have a bunch of apocryphal stories. These are the ones, these are legitimate. These are true. And so as we come then to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we can come to those as books that were approved by the eyewitnesses. They were books that were approved. They were books that were trusted by the people that saw these things happen. Because this isn't stuff that happened, you know, in some corner, like Paul talks about. This didn't just happen in some corner. These were public events. These were events that were verified. These are events that are trusted by the people that saw them, and then that would be propagated on. And so even though we, even though we, can't go back in time and see all these things. We don't have that ability. You know, people say, well, I don't believe in religion. I believe in science. Like, I believe in science too. But I also believe in the historical record. And so the book of Luke is one of the four. But the book of Luke is also one of the many that were held on to by the early church as being trustworthy. Being trustworthy of the church studying them. That's what they were. That's what it is. The rest of them, they were excluded. We don't know why exactly. We don't know why precisely. But these, these people who say, you know, it was Constantine who wrote the Bible and it was during that Council of Nicaea. It's like, no, 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 no. All they did at that point was put the church's stamp of approval on those things which were established before by the people who saw them themselves. That's all that's happening. Because at that point, there were people trying to bring in other things and trying to exclude things that the church had already put their stamp of approval on, that the church had already been using. And so then the Council of Nicaea said, no, this is the canon. This is the standard. It's these things. It's all the Council of Nicaea did. This is what the church has recognized for hundreds of years. So this is where we're putting our stamp to. 
And then that's sealed. That's done. That's standard. So this was the trusted, exclusive truth about the life of Jesus. Verse 2. Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. So these are, this is written. So when Luke is writing this, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. When Luke is writing this, there were still these eyewitnesses around. There were still people around who had seen these acts. There were people there who had, you know, they had, they had seen Jesus multiply the bread. They had seen Jesus do these healings. They had seen Jesus after he rose from the dead. And there were over 500 people that saw Jesus at one time. We're willing to die for that. This is during the days of the eyewitnesses, meaning that all the things that Luke puts in here were at its writing verifiable. Because you could say, you know, I wasn't there. Mary was. Let's go and talk to Mary about this. Like, I, I have a hard time believing what Luke is saying here. Let's go and talk to Mary about that. And they could bring that to Mary and say, Mary, I'm reading this. Isn't this true? Did Jesus really do this? Mary could stand there and say, yeah. Did Je- Mary, did that angel really come? Did, is this what the angel said? Mary, yeah. Yeah. What Luke said is true. It was, she could verify it. You know, you could go up to Peter and say, hey, hey Pete. I don't know if they called him Pete. Probably not. You could go up to Peter and say, hey, Peter. Jesus... Did you really almost fall through the water? Like, that's kind of funny. Really, did that happen? You looked at the waves and you almost fell through the water. Peter's like, yeah. And that's the way it happened. And so it could be verified. When this was written, it could be verified. That's the problem with the Gospel of Judas. That's the problem with the Gospel of Barnabas. These things were written later. They were written past the days of the eyewitnesses. They were non-verifiable. Therefore, they were non-falsifiable. Like, oh, well, you know, I heard this. Well, you know, I heard. And then you get that gossip mill, that rumor mill kind of sprouting out and and churning out its garbage. And so if it's written so much later just based upon oral tradition, you can't verify those things. But Luke here, he is talking to these people. Talking to these eyewitnesses. And these eyewitnesses, these are people that were there from the beginning of the gospel all the way into the end. They were there from, you know, when Jesus started his ministry. Mary, she was there right at the beginning. When the angel came and announced to her that she would be the mother of God. The mother of Jesus. She would give birth to the incarnate God. Wow! Mary was there. Luke could talk to Mary. She was there from the beginning. Luke wasn't there from the beginning. But Luke could talk to Peter. Luke could talk to John. Luke could talk to Philip. Luke could talk to all of these people, any other people that were around. This wasn't just Luke talking to people who had heard someone say, who had heard someone say. No. Luke was talking to the people themselves that were there from the beginning. They saw the whole thing. 
when Luke was written, you could have gone back to those people and said, hey, is this true? Yeah, I lived it out. I was there with Jesus. I walked with Jesus. I saw these things. And now because Luke is writing them to us, we could say, I have seen these things. This is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus wants to do. This is who Jesus is. This is what he calls us to. And that's what makes Luke, that's what makes Scripture our foundation. That's what makes it so basic because this is where all of the teachings of the church have sprouted from. Not just the book of Luke, but all of these things, they sprout out of the life of Jesus. The life of Jesus as recorded for us by Luke while we were in the age of the eyewitnesses where it could have been falsified or verified. We were, as we read it, we are there. We live these things out. And so then these become the foundations of our lives too. These become the foundations of my life. These are to become the foundations of yours. As we talked about last week in the sermon about uh, growing from Ephesians 4. You know that I am to grow in all ways into him who is the head into Christ. What does that look like? What does it look like to live out Jesus? Here it is in the book of Luke. This is how Jesus lived. This is what that looks like. How do I love? How do I care? How do I teach? How do I preach? How do I give? How do I withhold? How do I do these things? What does that look like? How am I to work? What does that look like? How am I to fulfill the vocations that God has given me? What does that look like? And so then the book of Luke becomes a foundation that we can stand on, something super solid. Because these things happened. And these truths were written to us during the days of the eyewitnesses. So we're not just building our hopes on someone's vision somewhere along the line. No, these things happened in history. And Luke wrote them down in a verifiable, falsifiable time as he studied them based on the eyewitnesses who were there from the beginning. So that we, you and I, brothers, sisters, so that we can have certainty. And in in a time such as this, you know, I'm recording this at October 1st, actually, because the the next week when I normally would record these, I'm going to be at pastor's conference. I'm recording this October 1st, 2020. And you know what? This seems like a pretty (laughs) chaotic time, a time lacking certainty. But in the book of Luke, we can have certainty. We can know for sure what God has for us. That's cool. That's a promise. That's huge. We can know for sure. How can we know for sure? As Luke wrote an orderly account, verse 3, it seemed good to me also, having followed, again, that also, note that, that's the many, having followed all things closely for some time past. Now Luke, he's not just some fly by the night, you know, looking into these things because he's trying to make a quick buck. No, Luke, he was a traveling companion with Paul. 
He's writing this stuff. He's been following this stuff. He's been listening. He's been absorbing these things. He's probably been talking to people. He was a physician. One of the things that physicians are trained in is listening. At least they should be. And so, how do you ask the right questions? How do you listen? How do you grow? That's what Luke has been trained in. And so as Luke has been trained in that, he's writing these things out for us in an orderly manner. And so why is it that the Gospels look different? You know, why is it that we don't have everything lined up in the exact same way in Matthew and in Mark and in Luke and in John? Well, Matthew is writing for a specific purpose. Mark is writing for a specific purpose. Luke is writing in an orderly manner, probably temporal order. Now, Matthew and Mark, they were thematic. They're writing according to themes. Luke seems to be writing according to time, chronological order. And John is also then writing according to themes. But Luke is writing in a chronological order. So Luke is giving this to us in a chronological order. And he has the things in there that the Holy Spirit spoke to him through and about and those are the ones that they put in. They, they had some impact by the grace of God. Luke puts in what he puts in. And then Matthew puts in some other things. You know, but there's a lot of overlap here. Sure, absolutely. No problem. The synoptic Gospels. A lot of overlap. Well, that doesn't matter. Things are written a little bit different. Great. You come to any situation and you'll see things a little bit different with different details. But these things are written in an orderly way so that we can have certainty. You, me, Theophilus of old, so that we can have certainty. That you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. Why is this certainty so important? Why is this such a big deal? Why is this the central goal of the book of Luke? Because we're always going to be attacked by doubts. That's how Satan attacks us. Did God really say? That's how Satan attacked Eve. He didn't find something that worked and like, yeah, that worked once, I'm just going to throw this away. No, he attacks us too. Did God really say? Did Jesus really do that? Is he really the son of God? Really, is he the son of God? I was just listening to a podcast and the guy on there said, for most of us, God is dead. And I was just listening to that this morning when he was talking about that. That most religious people, for them, God is dead. What does that mean? That means that they don't have certainty about what Jesus did, what Jesus said, who Jesus is. If they think God is dead, that means that they don't have certainty. They just have hopes. They have wishes. They have dreams. They have desires. That's it. They don't have anything firm to stand upon. Luke wrote this to us. Luke wrote to us the gospel of Luke during the days of the eyewitnesses. Looking into the eyewitnesses, he compiled, meaning he brought in stuff from other people. He wasn't an eyewitness, but he probably talked to Peter. He probably talked to Matthew. He probably talked to Mary. You know, we get so much about Mary in the book of Luke. It's just astonishing. You know, Luke is talking to these people and he's bringing this stuff together, researching so that we might have certainty. But certainty 
also has other benefits. Not just for the sake of my own peace. God, Jesus did all of these things. No, it's for the sake of my whole life. Everything that I do. Now, I can build that off of that thing which I am certain about. Am I certain that the American monetary system is going to continue? Nope. Am I certain that I'm going to live in this world for the next 50 years? Nope. Am I certain that Jesus isn't going to come back at the end of this day? Nope, he might. Is there anything in this world that I can be absolutely certain about? Be absolutely certain about the Word of God. And so from that foundation, I can build up the rest of my life. I can guide my hopes and my dreams. I can guide my desires based upon that foundation. I have something that is a rock that I can build the rest of my life upon and that I can then call others to build their lives upon that same rock. That same rock. It's unmoving. It is certain. What are you building your life upon? What are you putting your hopes in? You putting your hope in Biden? Are you putting your hope in Trump? Are you putting your hope in the American bureaucratic system? Are you putting your hope in your governor? Or in your Congress? Or in the judiciary? Where are you putting your hope? Are you putting your hope in your money? Are you putting your hope in your health? Are you putting your hope in any of these things? Are you staking your hope in your reputation? What are you living for? What are you hoping for? What are you driving towards? Here we have Christ. And he is a rock. A rock that we can build our lives upon. A rock by which we know what is moral and what is immoral. A rock by which we know what is good and what is not good. A rock by which we know what is wise and what is foolish. We can look at our whole world through the lens of Jesus Christ, through the lens of Luke. Friends, that's what we offer to you. That's what Luke is offering to you today, a rock that is immobile that we can build our lives upon. So I call you today, because of the authority of the book of Luke, Build your life upon Jesus. The Jesus found in Scripture. Not just the Jesus that floats around in your head. Not just some wish fulfillment. The Jesus found in Scripture. Who is he? What has he done? What has he said? Are you living in obedience to him? Are you living, trusting him, relying upon him, hoping in him, desiring him in your life? Are you a disciple of Jesus you trust Jesus? Look at your life. Ask that question. Why are you living the way you're living? Why are you thinking the way you're thinking? What are you hoping in? What are you trusting in? What are you desiring? Is it Jesus? Or is it something else? If it's something else, brother, sister, come back to Jesus. All of that will leave you empty. But Jesus, he is a rock. He is certain. Trust in Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Father,
Forgive me. Forgive me for not building my life on you as I ought. I thank you. I thank you that I can have a certain image of Jesus that I can know, that I can know, and I can live these things with Jesus as they're written to us by Luke. Thank you. Father, I am excited. May I trust you and so bring all of these teachings into my life as being those things which are actually good and valuable and righteous. And I want to be righteous. Help me to bring these teachings into my life and live in faith towards you, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at admin at hosannafreelutheran.com.